Welcome to the Covenant Experience Podcast. At Covenant, we are growing passionate followers of Jesus Christ who serve all people. If you live in the tri-state area, we welcome you to join us on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. You can find more information about us online at covenantexperience.com or call us at 304-876-2212 with any questions. And now today's message. Good morning. How are we doing this morning, Covenant? Oh, come on. Y'all just had a wonderful time of worship, and that's all the energy you've got? Come on. This is a good morning. I hope y'all are doing great. I, this morning, I'm doing fine, great. Um, this morning, I realized, I don't know if Joel knows this, six years ago today was the first time I stood in front of this, on this stage and got to preach a sermon to Covenant family, and it's been a great ride. Um, I, it's been a great time, and I've enjoyed it. I love you guys as a church. I'm appreciative of the honor y'all have given me to be first the associate pastor um, in charge of small groups, and now the student pastor. Um, it's been a joy and a privilege, and I am glad we're here this morning with you guys. Uh, and we want to... Um, I'm kind of getting teared up. Um, it's also six years ago tomorrow that I tore my bicep tendon in my right arm. So if y'all want to know the fun part of it, there's the joy of that and then the sorrow of tearing a bicep tendon. But um, this morning we're going to look at, in Matthew chapter, where the passage that Tim looked at, or read to us this morning, is where we're going to be kind of grounded. But I want to talk about, what I want to talk about this morning is uncertainty and how to deal with it and embracing it. You may wait, embracing certainty? Yeah. How many of y'all played the what if game? What if this would happen then this would have happened. And I know all of, most of you guys, if you're, if you're football fans like me, y'all were playing the what-if game this week. Your college team, you know, what if our quarterback had played a little bit better? We'd have had a win. What if our defense had stopped that guy on fourth down? We'd have, or what if our receiver hadn't tipped that ball and that, that cornerback hadn't returned it for a pick six? Oh, I'm sorry, WVU fans. <laughs> oh, I know. It hurts, doesn't it? It hurts. <laughs> But we play the what-if game because we like to play the what-if game because we want a sense of that we have some control or there is some control in our lives that we can take hold of. And the what-if game kind of gives us that control because we think, well, if things and circumstances have been different, I'd been able to handle this better. If this had, had changed in my life, I'd have been able to handle this. We like that certainty. We like that ability to look at things and go, man, I feel confident. I feel in, in, empowered. I, I feel like everything's going great. Y'all all know it's a facade, don't you? Certainty is not part of life. Certainty is not part of anything that we do in life. We live in a world full of uncertainty. And we have to learn in our lives, especially as followers of Christ, we're going to look at when we look at this morning in the passage, we're going to come to the realization that Jesus draws us into a life where there is a lot of uncertainty. God wants us to kind of be uncertain in things, and there's a reason for it. The reason behind God drawing us into this uncertainty is so that we depend on him more. See, if you're certain in life and you've got everything under control and you've got every fix, what do you depend on? You depend on yourself. 
if you have uncertainty in your life, you're walking every day in this, in this mindset of, I don't know what's coming my way, but I know God's got me where he wants me, and he's going to take care of me no matter what comes my way. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, this idea that embracing uncertainty should be a calling on our lives and be something that we step into every single day. There's a psychological uh, study of this called the certainty effect. It's called prospect theory. It's a psychological effect that results when something is reduced from certain to probable. And in that, we live in this certainty. Um, and so what it, it deals with is if you have something that is certain, you're more likely to take it than something that is probable. So let's give you an example here. Which of the following options do you prefer? A sure gain of $30, an 80% chance to win 45 with 20% chance of winning nothing. Now, we're just going to look at options A and B right now. So what do you think the probability is of people choosing A? Okay. What do you think the probability of people choosing B? Yeah, some of y'all don't know. 78% of the people who took this, looked at this, said they would choose A. Because $30 is for sure. I'm going to take the sure thing. I'm going to take the, what's, what's there, what's possible, what can be grabbed a hold of right now. I want the certain. That means 22% of the people looked at a $15 gain as a, uh, with a 20% chance of lot, it's too risky. Then you amp it up a little bit. So if you were to take option C, it's 25% chance of winning $30 and 70% chance of, or 75% chance of winning nothing or 20% chance of winning $45 and an 80% chance of winning nothing. Guess what happened? People flipped. They saw the small little bit of difference between the certain of 5% wasn't that big of a chance, so they might as well go for the bigger gain. And so that's what it is. It's called prospect theory. It's this idea. We have game shows based on prospect theory. We have game shows that are, in, in fact, there was a, uh, in 2008, there was a paper written, written in the American Economic Review called Deal or No Deal, Decision-Making Under Risk and Large Payoff Game Show. And it looked at how people made the choices based on the amount of money they were losing when uncertainty was introduced. We see it in every game show that you ever look at. There's this idea of, I've got this, I'm not willing to risk what I have in order to get a bigger game. And almost every game show is based on prospect theory that people aren't willing to risk for better gain and that they'll take the lower number. You can see it in Deal or No Deal. You can see it even in Jeopardy. Double Jeopardy, when you get, or when you get to uh, the Daily Double, and somebody wins the daily, gets on the Daily Double, that question that they only have to answer, they're the only ones that can answer, but they have to risk a certain amount of money in order to do it. They, try, they look at it, and it's like, what is it, the risk? How much reward is worth the risk? And if they're ahead, they don't risk much. Most likely, they won't risk that much because they don't want to bring themselves back down into the group that's, that's below them. If they're behind, they may risk a little bit more to try to gain it, but they also risk being way far behind. 
We live in that world of prospect theory. We are dealing with the uncertain all the time. We love certainty in life, but we can never make the best possible outcome is never, all, never not always plausible. And we must realize that. Certainty is never certain. We can try all we want, but there's no, no such thing as a sure thing. We take chances every day, whether we realize it or not. We tend to think as Christians that our faith will reduce the amount of uncertainty that we have. The only uncertainty that faith reduces is spiritual uncertainty of what happens and whose we are. That's the only re, re, uh, reduction. Because if we truly re embrace the faith that we put and the trust that we put in God, certain uncertainty is going to be part of what we live. Following Christ as your Savior and Lord will not bring more certainty. It will bring more uncertainty. The certainty you have is where your life lies after death. The certainty is where you lie, your life lies in the present life that God is there with you every step of the way no matter what you go through. That's the certainty. You know that phrase, there's only two certain things in, in this world, death and taxes? Yeah, that may be the only two, but I'm gonna give you a third, that's God. God is a certainty that we can rely on. Many times, faith will never lead us to a place where all the circumstances will make sense. You may have to make decisions in your life of faith where things don't make that much sense. And you may look at it and everybody around you go, why are you doing this? And you're going, I'm trusting God in the midst of it. We're going to look at a couple of examples here in a minute of that. Sometimes God calls us to go places and to do things that don't make sense. But the thing that makes sense is that we can trust God in the middle of those circumstances to help us and guide us through it and rely on him every step of the way. So we come to the rich young rulers with the, the parable that Tim read a few minutes ago. And we come to that and we come to a man who is very certain. He has all the gumption, all the zeal, all the hubris of a young man that has everything that he could ever want, everything that he could ever desire, and thinks he's done everything that he ever needs to do to be confident in the life he lives. And he comes to Jesus and he asks him a question, what must I do to have eternal life? What, what does it take? And Jesus spouts off a couple of uh, commandments. He doesn't spout them all off, notice. Those are the ones he did spout off. Those are the ones that Jesus gave to him. The, the commandments that Jesus gave to him were the commandments that dealt with the relationship between us, people, and how we deal with people between don't steal, don't murder, uh, don't bear false witness, uh, love your, honor your mother and father, love your neighbors yourself. He, he dealt with those things that deal with the relationships between other, each other. He didn't deal with any of the, of the commandments that deal with our relationship with God, not, uh, not having any other gods before us. Honoring the Sabbath, those things that we are to do that are of God and for God. He, he, he goes through that. And, then, and this, this man full of hubris steps up to the plate and says, oh, I'm good. I've done all that. And I'm sure he sat there smiling, encouraged, a little bit more <clears throat> 
certain of what he was doing and who he was. And what happens? He asked a question. Because he still wasn't quite certain enough. He says, I've done all those things. What do I still lack? And Jesus throws a book of uncertainty at him and says, go try this on for size. He says, go sell everything you have, give unto the poor, and come follow me. Whoa! Pump the brakes there, dude. I'm not ready for that. Pump the brakes. Go sell everything. Are you kidding me? Do you know? I'm, I'm sitting there thinking in his mind. He's sitting there thinking in his mind going, Are you, you know what I have? Do you know what I've done? You just asked me a question. I've taken care of it. I, I've solved the problem. And Jesus sits there and goes, you know what? You rely a little bit too much on the things of this earth and the things that you have. It's time for you to truly rely on God. It's truly time for you to step back and realize that you're not in control of your life. You're not in control of your destiny. There's something greater than you in control of this world. There's something greater outside of yourself that you must rely on and trust to be able to live the life that you truly can live only through God. Jesus comes to the end of this story and he says, and the, and the disciples are discussing about a rich man getting into heaven and Jesus says, you know, it's easier for a, a, a camel to thread the eye of a needle and I'm not going to get into that debate and that's too long and too cumbersome to get into. If you want to talk about that, we can talk about that some other time. But then he said, in the, in the, in the, the disciples basically say, how is it possible for a rich man to get into heaven? And Jesus says, with man, it's impossible, with, but with God, all things are possible. That's where we've got to come back to. See, we got to rely on God. We got to rely on God. We can't rely on the stuff that we have. The question of uncertainty is very strong in this illustration that Jesus gives us, this story that Jesus gives us. And the rich young ruler had a decision to make. He could collect stuff. He could have all he wanted to have, all the possessions he wanted to have, or he could forfeit all that for the experience of a lifetime in following God. What are you not willing to forfeit in order to follow God? What's not on the table? If God says, hey, here, lay out everything on the table that you own, everything that you have, what's not on the table? What's a non-negotiable for you? That's a hard question to ask, isn't it? Either everything's for God and is God's, or it's not. And we've got to make that decision in our lives. What's the most important to us? What's the thing that we're not willing to give up? That's a hard decision to make, isn't it? What the man liked was uncertainty. 
that serves to build your faith. Jesus asked him, the rich young ruler, to sacrifice the certainty in his life, and he is not willing to part with it. Let's look at some different examples that took a different path. If you go to Matthew chapter 8, verses 8 through 12, Jesus comes to him and says, Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. He was near the lake. And he said, And a scribe came up to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said, Follow me and let the, leave the dead to bury their own dead. Here we go again. Jesus is saying, hey, you want certainty in this life? If you want to follow me, it's not going to be there. If you want the sure thing, what you look at, what the world looks at is the sure thing, it's not going to be there. Jesus gives us a disclaimer up front that this, is, this guy really wanted to follow Jesus. He was willing to lay everything down daily for a life of uncertainty. Sometimes our love of certainty pours buckets of water on the flame of faith in God. And we must be willing to live with uncertainty to make that flame burn brighter and brighter. Jesus' disciples kind of understood this. In Matthew chapter 4, we see the calling of, of Simon and, uh, who's, uh, and Andrew. While Jesus was walking along the shore of Galilee, he saw two brothers. One was Simon, also known as Peter, and the other was Andrew. They were fishermen. They were casting their net into the lake, and Jesus said to them, come with me. I will teach you how to bring in people instead of fish. Right then, the other two disciples dropped their nets and went with him. Jesus walked on until he saw James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They were in a boat with their father, mending their nets. Jesus asked them to come with him, too. Right away, they left their boat and their father and went with Jesus. While he was walking on the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon and... Oh, we got that. We did that. And so he comes to this situation, and he comes to these four gentlemen who are fishermen. It was certain. Their jobs, their livelihoods, everything that they were going to do for life was set in stone. They were going to be fishermen like their father. They were going to take care of this, and they were going to live their lives out the way that, that probably they had that for generations in their families had lived out their lives. In fact, probably more than likely, Zebedee's looking at this situation, the, the father of James and John, he's going, hold on. You're talking about my retirement plan here, Jesus. Because here we have... James and John were supposed to take over the family business, and, John, and Zebedee was supposed to step back and be able to go, hey, you know what? I'm done. They'll take care of me. They'll fish. I'm taking care of for the rest of my life. There was a lot of uncertainty in this situation. And Jesus says, come and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Come and follow what I have for you. Give up a life of uncertainty. And they did. See the difference between the rich young ruler and Jesus' disciples? They were willing to live with a life of uncertainty. They left their boat and their father and followed Jesus. In your Christian life, the good sometimes is the enemy of the great. And if you settle for what is good, it may keep you from getting 
great things. Jesus takes his disciples on an adventure. Can you imagine the experiences that James and John had? Peter and Andrew, Matthew, a tax collector who was taken care of, financially was taken care of for the rest of his life. But he had a front row seat to every miracle, every teaching, every parable that Jesus ever told. He had a, they all had a life of experience that was so much greater than they could ever experience if they had chosen certainty. Jesus takes these disciples on an adventure. He takes us all on that adventure. We have all had the opportunity to have that adventure that God wants us to have. The question is, is what are we willing to give up in order to follow Jesus? What are we willing to sacrifice? Jesus came to this earth to die on a cross to give us everything that we could ever want. He died in our place so that we could have eternal life, so that we could have life here on earth so much better than the life that we might live otherwise. He made the ultimate sacrifice for us. He was willing to do that for us. What are we willing to do? I think sometimes if your Christian life has become kind of boring, kind of mundane, maybe your Christian life in some way has become kind of stale and you're just kind of like going through the motions, but you're really dissatisfied in your Christian life. You know what may need to happen in your life? You might need to introduce a little uncertainty. What kind of uncertainty could I, I, I introduce? <laughs> Come work with some teenagers sometime. You want to talk about uncertainty, they'll bring uncertainty into your life. I'm sure Amy could tell you great things about Vietnam that'll introduce a lot of uncertainty in your life. And you may be thinking, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about that, Chris. Okay. Take a step into the pool of uncertainty. Maybe it's a small step. Maybe it's a baby step, and you just start making those baby steps, and you keep on taking those baby steps along the way. You, you start out small. Maybe you're a greeter at the door. Maybe you start out a, a little bit, and you do here and there, and you work a little, and then you just start introducing that uncertainty. Maybe you start praying for that person in your office, your coworker who doesn't know Jesus, and you start praying for them about how they can come to Christ. You think I'm crazy on that one. Oh, it's just prayer. It's no big deal. Yeah, until they start asking you questions because you've been praying for them and they're starting to get curious and they have no one else to go to and they know you're a person of faith. Introduce a little bit of uncertainty in your life. It gets quiet in here when people are nervous. What is God calling you to in your life? What is he calling you to do that you are looking at going, I am scared to death to try it. But he's calling you to do it. 
You know deep down inside yourself, you're sitting there looking at it and you're going, God's calling me this. I know I should step out in faith and trust God that he's going to take care of me in the middle of this. I'm going to, but I'm not willing to take that step. There's a poem that sits in my office um, upstairs. It's by Patrick Overton. It was given to me, golly. It would give me 1988, not 89, sorry, by a family that I had become a friends with this guy named Toby. Toby, we met at a church camp. He was from Mississippi. I was from Texas. We met at a church camp. We got to be friends. We stayed in correspondence. In December of 1998, he was driving with a buddy of his down a road in Mississippi. They were going down to the next town over. It was a foggy morning. And a semi-tractor trailer rig decided it was going to make a pass in the other lane from the other, to come in the other way and hit Toby and his buddy head on and killed them both. Toby was 16 years old. Actually, he was 15 years old, and his buddy was 14. Two days before this accident, Toby had given his mom this poem by Patrick Overton. It's simply called faith. When we step to the edge of all the light we have and face the darkness of the unknown, we must believe that one of two things will happen. There'll be something solid for us to stand on or God will teach us how to fly. That family hung on to that poem and they gave a framed copy of that poem to me as a gift because God in that instance had to teach them how to fly. Because there was not much solid to stand on. Is your faith that kind of faith that you're willing to step out? Not knowing for sure what's going to happen. Not knowing for sure where it's going to carry you. Not knowing for sure what God is going to do with that step of faith. That leap, maybe it's a leap of faith. Maybe it's something big and you're about to jump head first into it. But are you willing to take that step? into the uncertainty that God has for you. I know it's scary. I know it's hard. I know you might be giving up something that, you know, is pretty precious to you. But what is God calling you to do that only by him and through him you can do because nothing else seems to make sense? In the study of zoology, you learn to um, group animals, and they have names for their grouping, right? Some of, some of y'all know these names. Uh, y'all can, if y'all know them, tell me. A, a group of bees, what do you call a group of bees? A swarm, okay, good, good. What do you call a group of cattle? A herd, you're right. Okay, what do you call a group of ants? Colony, you're right, okay, we all are doing good. All right, what do you call a group of lions? A pride, all right. How about a group of crows? Murderers, yes, you are correct. How about a group of tigers? Huh? Nobody know? It's called an ambush. How about a group of flamingos? 
Anybody say it? Did somebody say it? No, it's not a flock. It's called a flamboyant. Yeah, fits perfectly, right? What do you call a group of owls? Parliament. Somebody over there said it. Very good. Now, this is my favorite because I'm a Baptist and I grew up in churches, all in pastor churches. What do you call a group of buzzards? It's a committee. Okay? So the next time we walk into a committee meeting, it's called a buzzard meeting, all right? Let's get rid of it. Let's just get it out there on the table, right? But my favorite one is this one. Anybody know what you call a group of rhinos? A crash. Now, that seems interesting, you know, a group of rhinos, this big beast, it's got a horn on its head, and you think, that seems kind of appropriate, a big beast with a horn on its head. A crash seems like it's a point, but it gets even more interesting. Here's the crazy thing about a rhinoceros. You know a rhinoceros can run 35 miles an hour? At full speed, a rhino can run 35 miles an hour. You know how many feet in front of it it can see? 31 feet. 35 miles an hour, 31 feet. Do you think a crash is going to happen at some point in time along the way? Do you think God took care of that rhino by sticking that big old horn on its snout so that when it did crash, it would have something to, break, to help it endure the crash? That's right. God took care of the rhinos. God can take care of you. He can help the rhinos live through a crash like that. He can help you live through uncertainty in your own life. So here's what I'm calling you to do, church, this morning. Be a crash. A group of people that are running so hard, so fast for God, they're not sure what the next step is going to bring them, but they know for sure God's guided them through it, and they're going to be able to accomplish great things for him because they are for him in every way. Be a crash this morning. Trust in God that he's going to take care of you. He's going to guide you. He's guiding you every step of the way through everything you do. I gave this advice the other day to one of our single guys in our church. He was asking about marriage. He was asking me questions about my marriage. He was asking questions about dating. He was asking all these questions. He says, what's your advice? What should I do? And I, this advice was given to me a long time ago. And I think it's true to still to this day. Run as hard and as fast as you can for God. Okay? That's your job. Run as hard and as fast as you can for God. And you, as you're running along, if you see somebody beside you of the opposite sex that is running just as hard and just as fast for God, maybe you look at each other and go, hey, maybe we should get together on this journey of life. Well, maybe you're married. Start running as hard and as fast for God as you can. Not knowing what's 31 feet in front of you, but knowing that God's got you taken care of every step of the way. Uncertainty. Does it make you nervous? Does it make you scared? Does it make you excited? Does it make you ambitious? Does it make you seek God more? 
What are you going to do with the uncertainty in your life? How are you going to live out that uncertainty? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your care for us, and thank you so much for your truth and your word. And Lord, as we live our lives, let our lives be guided by you. Lord, help us to trust you because you are the certainty in our lives. You are the one that can help us and guide us through all those times that we don't know for sure what the next step in life is. Help us not to trade in certainty for a life of experience with you that it can transform the world around us. Help us to be trusting of you in every way. In your son's name, amen. Hi, everybody. Pastor Joel here, and I am so glad you stopped by. I pray this podcast helps you in your walk with God. And if you're listening with questions about faith of any sort, God is not afraid of those questions, and neither are we. Join us any Sunday morning at 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock in the morning. If you're new to our area and looking for a church home, I hope we'll see you soon and have the opportunity to welcome you properly and personally through our doors. And if you live in the tri-state area, but you're already a part of one of the other phenomenal church families here, I pray this podcast has been a great addition to the primary teaching you already receive from your local pastor and that you've been better equipped to serve your own church family. So let's all go make Jesus famous this week. Share his love every chance you get until we meet again. And God bless you.